You're listening to Everyday Emergency, a podcast from Doctors Without Borders. Welcome to Everyday Emergency. I'm Nick Owen from MSF. Before we get started, we just wanted to thank you for listening to this podcast and for supporting MSF. We're hoping to bring you more regular episodes this year, likely once a month. These are going to be a mix of reports on our life-saving work around the world, as we'll hear today, and personal stories from MSFers on the front line of humanitarian emergencies. In today's episode, we hear from our colleague Amelia Freelander on the conditions inside Al-Hol, a detention camp in northeast Syria. It was designed to be a temporary refugee camp for civilians displaced by the conflict in Syria and Iraq. But the nature and purpose of Al-Hol has veered drastically off course after people were moved there from Islamic State-controlled territories in December 2018. Today, 64% of people detained in Al-Hol are children. I'll be back at the end of Amelia's report with a link to how you can learn more about the situation, or take a look now in the episode notes. In February 2019, I was confronted with something I had never seen before even in the midst of the Syrian war. I replay the image in my thoughts as I remember entering a whole detention camp and seeing hundreds of people with gunshot wounds, amputated legs, and women and children dumped from a truck dying for help. Al-Hol was once a humanitarian camp designed to provide safe, temporary accommodation and humanitarian services to people who had been displaced by the conflict in Syria and Iraq. However, the nature of the camp has long deviated from this purpose, and it's grown into an increasingly unsafe, open-air prison. Qasim, whose name has been changed to protect his identity, is a 25-year-old from Syria and was one of the first staff members from Médecins Sans Frontières to visit the camp in 2019. Thousands were arriving every day. MSF tried to triage patients and provide medical care or refer them to other health facilities as needed. This was during the winter season, so near freezing. During this time, fathers were put in prisons and children were taken from their mothers. Only those under 12 years old were allowed to go to the camp. You're live with Lucy Hawkins. Thousands of wives and children of Islamic State groups, foreign fighters, are currently being held in camps in northern Syria. The Kurdish authorities, which run them, are urging countries to repatriate their citizens, but many are refusing, seeing them as a security risk. There are many different stories of how people found themselves detained at Al-Hol camp. MSF has been collecting testimonies from the people there. This woman says she was taken there by security forces after finding herself in the wrong place at the wrong time. People were forced to leave their homes. We couldn't stay in the city because the coalition was bombing everywhere. And if you stayed behind, the coalition forces would accuse you of being from the Islamic State. So we were forced to move with the Islamic State. Finally, here we are in El Hall, and we are still not safe. Canadian Dr. Reza Ashagian worked as a medical team leader at our whole camp in 2021. Among many shocking things he saw was a nine-year-old girl with kidney failure. 
this poor girl had actually already lost her parents so she was an orphan in this prison-like camp at the age of nine uh, another woman in the camp had to offer to help take care of her every time she was unwell she would take away from this volunteer's life to provide care which was already draining for her in terms of she having her own kids but then the child would have to go get higher level of care um, by herself she didn't speak arabic um, and didn't understand what was happening to her and the care that you require for dialysis and multiple testing and stuff uh, is scary uh, for any child needs a lot of psychosocial support imagine getting a, a big line in your neck for dialysis be poked for blood um, and every time she gets referred she doesn't know why or when she will go back many times when we try to refer her the referral wouldn't go through there are multiple steps required to get a referral through and it's easy for it to fall apart um, the level of securitization makes these very challenging to push through. And in her case, this often left multiple times where she did not get dialysis and she'd often go weeks without it. It was quite heart-wrenching to see someone who had no understanding of what was going on have to go through that level of suffering. Just to see it over and over again, even seeing her every time she'd come in would just break my heart. Uh, I think also just this disturbingness to witness this type of atrocity to tap into a child and for it to occur and for me to be able to even talk about it and there to be such poor response to this reality. The delays in her dialysis treatment had catastrophic consequences. Here, Reza describes what happened when she returned to the section of the camp known as the Annex, where foreign nationals, meaning those who aren't Syrian or Iraqi, are held. She came into our camp quite sick, quite a debitus. She was very unwell. Um, uh, and that referral was actually um, initially fell through and we got it down the next day. And then we never heard anything after that. Um, we just heard that the hospital had discharged her back to the camp. And a few days later, we were told she died. Up until then, recognizing that this was not working, we had been pushing with local authorities and other NGOs to try to get her out of the camp, try to demonstrate that she was an exceptional case and deserved special recognition. Um, but were unable to convince the local authorities to grant her that. In 2021, 35% of the people who died in our hole were children under the age of 16. This included children who died after being hit by water trucks, drowned in puddles of dirty water, or were killed through violent acts. 64% of the people at the camp are children. Mostly I worry about my nine-year-old boy and that the security forces will take him when he gets older. There are a lot of mothers whose boys were taken off to prison by the security forces when they turn 11 or 12. 
and they cry every day. We are between two fires, the security forces and the extremist. It's a kind of prison. There is no freedom here. We don't know why they are killing people, and we cannot lock our door. We don't even have a door. They say they only kill the spies who are going to the security forces. But this is not true, because sometimes they are killing for no reason at all. One night, several people entered our tent and started to shoot at my brother. First one shot, and then another shot to his head to kill him. He was 16 years old. Why did they kill my brother? Then they put a gun to my head and pushed my mother, who had been trying to protect my brother. The next day, they called us and they threatened to kill our whole family. The authorities didn't come to investigate. They didn't even come to take his body. Around 53,000 people from close to 60 different countries continue to languish in our hole, the largest camp in northeast Syria. The majority are women and children. After years in detention and with a lack of basic services, including education and healthcare, former doctor at our hole, Reza, says a generation of children face being lost. Another example, we had a, a newborn who was abandoned in the camp was malnourished, dehydrated, uh, was found and brought to us. So here's an absolute newborn who's been abandoned by her parents. Uh, we resuscitated the child, we treated her for her malnutrition, and she did very well. She was this beautiful, happy baby. And so we also approached at local and other NGOs and the local authorities asking if she could be granted freedom from the camp and be adopted by a family outside of the camp. And uh, she said, no, the child must be raised in this camp. It's, this is a global issue. This is not just one person doing one thing to another group. This is, this is we're all, so many countries and governments are, are basically in passive support of this. Um, so we should all feel very upset and disturbed by what we know is going on. And there should be recognition that it, it's requ it requires a global response. Um, Ignoring it is the reason it is in the situation it is, because that's what everyone is doing. So I feel that if you do feel as upset or disturbed as I am, based on what I've shared or what we share, you know, then you should, there should be a push and a move towards getting our governments to push forward a, a, a solution to repatriate these people, and so that this type of place does not exist. Mustafa Katab is a humanitarian affairs advisor at MSF. He says the detainments of people at our hole has gone on far too long. People who are still living in the camp, uh, again, continue to be living in, in really difficult condition where they are 
even more exposed to violence and exploitation, keeping people indefinitely and uh, without any access to due process is a short-sighted measure that doesn't address the threat of ISIS and, and other armed group. The situation cannot be addressed without really addressing the needs of this population and without providing them uh, the necessary protection and without providing them access to uh, their basic right, including access to uh, due legal process and to look into the possibilities to return them back to their countries where they can be reunified with their families and their community. For Kasim, who works with MSF at Our Hall, he's watched his own adolescence pass by, a future he dreamed of never coming to pass, and his young years marked by conflict. He hopes the same fate doesn't face the children of Our Hall. The world must take action to save a whole generation who only know trauma, anger and abuse. Growing up in Northeast Syria makes me realize that we reached adulthood and adult mindsets before our time. We missed out on childhood and teenage years. If I hadn't lived here and the war didn't happen, I would probably be in another country, traveling. That was my plan as a child, to travel around the world. But freedom is an unknown feeling here. Freedom is a luxury that I have never known. Thank you for listening to this episode of Everyday Emergency. MSF would like to acknowledge the many people who contributed to this story. To our staff in Syria and elsewhere, and especially to the people of Al Hol, we would like to sincerely thank you for sharing your time with us. For more information about this story, visit msf.org.uk slash alhol. That's msf.org.uk slash A-L-H-O-L. We'll be back next month. For more true stories from the front line of medical emergencies, subscribe via your podcast provider or visit msf.org.uk slash podcast.